my passion was always playing sports. Mm -hmm. And my parents never really encouraged it and started playing field hockey. And I became a two-time All-American. Math was always that subject that I loved. School was always a priority, but sports was sort of my own, yeah, it was always my own thing. I always wanted to do what my brothers did, work in finance okay. and trading U.S. Treasury bonds. Five-year note, 10-year note, long bonds. Never actually thought I was going to leave my job. I loved what I was doing. I used to just watch the 10-year note every day, and, and now I can tell you about every fitness studio in the country. I started actually taking my clients to work out with me. Because, that are yeah, like norm, steakhouse dinners. That are normally done at steakhouse, at gyms. Exactly. <laughs> I started getting really into classes. They were a great experience. So boutique just means like they're doing one thing, and that's all they focus on. They do a great job, and the experience is awesome. Talking to the studios that I was going to frequently and asking them, hey, would you want to live stream your classes? And they were like, yeah, when are we going to do this? I'd love to get started. I know this is going to happen. And if I don't build this, I'm going to tell a really depressing story. Everyone's reaction was like, this is crazy. But my father, who is an entrepreneur, was like, you know, he was proud. He was like, you, you should do this. So that was awesome to have his support. Right. This is what I do. I'm a user in this space. So I feel like that's my you know, secret weapon as, as well. So then I just, yeah, I left my job ultimately. My old bosses ended up investing, which felt great and was Here you are, like not even trying to sell hard and people yep. are like bothering you. There's demand. Yep. Develop hardware and software that we install in the studios to enable them to live broadcast. We installed three to five cameras into the space, hardwire them into the walls. There's 50 people maybe jumping a rope or running. So the frames per second are so fast. There's just all these variables that make doing this super, super complicated. When the instructor plugs in their phone and puts their Spotify playlist on, puts their mic on, the automation turns on all five cameras in the room, rotates around for that specific class at that time, and then will shut itself off at the end of class. It was two years of getting, of getting the streaming to work. We couldn't really market test it and get this answer without actually building the product. Childhood next door neighbor and really good friend, Greg comes over to help us, and he has a high-tech alarm company. Huh. So then he kind of came in and solved like, a hundred problems ahead that I hadn't even realized. When your gets excited, they blare the music, then they blow out your you know, ears if you have headphones in. So we really had to watch them in their habitats and start to realize what they're doing. Or they get, they want to make it zen and so they turn the lights off. So we had to kind of automate and build this so that way they couldn't mess up the stream live produced in a thousand places simultaneously. More people are where they need to be working out than ever. The goal really is to bring these top studios to people all over the world and country. You can watch this every day and then go to New York City and take that actual class. It'd be like watching a movie and then being in your favorite movie, right? Streaming at home, you know, getting used to classes is the great entry point for these people. People are writing in like, this is the best thing that ever happened. This changed my life. And nobody said that I made their life better when I worked on Wall Street. So that was giving me a whole new purpose for working this hard. So we distribute our content into 40 countries. We distribute into residential, uh, gym buildings, hotel gym buildings, and now we're working to do deals with equipment manufacturers. All our classes are streamed live and then available on demand seconds later. It's all wearable, so Fitbit, Garmin, Apple Watch, so we'll have live leaderboards so you can compete in real time. If you have Aetna or Cigna health insurance, you can pay for it with pre-tax dollars. We're now starting to do a white label approach. So one, a lot of the big gyms, they want to do it on their own. So we're raising our seed round of funding. Harvard Business School Angels and Chicago Booth Angels and Westchester Angels. But you lose and you got to pick yourself back up again and get out there. Take this class in New York City and live in Kansas or wherever. So spend zero to acquire our customers at this point. Helping them make money beyond the 30 bodies that can physically attend their class. We stream a class from Miami and it's so Miami. Stream yoga from Salt Lake City. You can see out the mountain. Really test your strength at times, right? This is can be a very solo mission at, at, at times. Users writing in and all that stuff is so motivating. You know, when you're making people's lives better, it's like, what more motivation do you need than that? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. She's the real <laughs> deal.
right here. Go to forte.fit. Hello, Startup Hunters. Thank you guys so much for listening. This podcast would be nothing without you. And also, this podcast is a startup, so I need all the help that I can get. Would you please leave me a good review in the App Store? This would be huge. That's it. On to the episode. And thank you so much for coming thank you on, for having me. Welcome to Startup Hunter, also streaming on YouTube. I am here with Lauren Fundos of Forte Fit, which is a fitness brand, and their tagline is Forever Fit. So we're walking, we're doing something fitness. We're gonna get into the world of fitness. And maybe it, for you, it starts at birth. Maybe you were training for the Olympics when you were two years old. But on this show, how we do it is, I wanna know where were you born, Lauren, and what did your parents do? All right, so I was born in Long Island, um, so pretty close to the city. My parents are both Albanian. Uh, my dad was born in Albania, my mom was born here. Forte, the name of my company actually means strong in Albanian, so a little uh, onus to them. And. Uh, yeah, that, that's basically my, my childhood. I actually was an athlete, which is the funny part. Yes. Growing up my whole life. Uh, so obviously excited to be building a company in the fitness space because it fuels kind of the core of my existence. Now, were your parents entrepreneurs in any way? Yeah, so my dad immigrated to America and actually was an entrepreneur. He was in the gas and oil industry and invented this uh, piece called the calorimeter that measures gas and oil. So, wow. So yeah, he's excited that, that I'm an entrepreneur and yeah, he was excited for me. So did any of that rub off on you? Unfortunately, it didn't. I wish I was an engineer when I set out to build this company. I want to, but I want to know chronologically. Okay. So when you were a kid, yep. what's the first hustle that you can remember? Okay, so when I was a kid, I was definitely, the irony is um, my parents were always super focused on me doing well in school, which I greatly appreciate. And as a kid, you know, being guided to do that, it was awesome. But my passion was always playing sports. Mm -hmm. And my parents never really encouraged it because you had to practice on Sundays and my dad is very religious and so churches on Sundays. So they never really encouraged it so much, but it was kind of always my thing. And so I would practice against the garage by myself and no. play hockey. Oh, hockey? Yep. Like, 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 hockey or like, I would play, I really loved ice hockey growing yeah. up, but that wasn't happening. Nobody was enrolling me in any ice hockey. So I actually played hockey in the street with my neighbors all the time. And ultimately then got introduced to it in middle school and started playing field hockey. So I was really into it. And the gym teacher was like, you're great at this. And, and so I started playing and I became a two-time All-American. So I would tell my dad, I think I'm really good at this sport. And he'd be like, it's a big country. I'm like, yeah, the whole country, I'm doing pretty good though. And now is there a women's Olympic team in hockey? There is a US women's Olympic team. And a lot of my teammates uh, from college actually played played on that. Do you think you could have made the team? I kind of went a different, you know, started to focus on school and my career after that. So kind of took a different path at the end, but yeah. it was great to compete at the level. I played D1 for oh, the top team in the nation. So D1 was... is no joke. I'm still digging for these kind of formative stories. Yeah. So, so that was my thing. I my yeah, my parents did not promote it when I I played in the US program, so on the U16 team. Yeah. And But were you like selling anything or like do you remember or or organizing? I was just always really competitive. Yeah. <laughs> now, was your com competition only limited to hockey or were there other areas that you were competitive as um, a kid? 
growing, I mean, I played the piano, the violin. Yeah. <laughs> I, was that um, by your choice or did your parents? That was something my parents forced me to do. But you, you didn't hate it? Well, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. But now when I sit down and can twiddle my fingers on the piano, people's minds are blown. And so I like the kind of hidden talent that that it brings me now as an adult. So, so it's paid <laughs> off and, and, exactly. and it gets better with age. Exactly. Interesting. So very competitive. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Were sports all you cared about? Did you like not even care about academics? No, no. My, so my parents, yeah, immigrated here. So school was of the utmost importance. So no, I always excelled in school. Uh, took what honors classes. Did you like? Math is something that kind of comes easy to the Fundos family. So math was always a subject that I loved. Interesting. And I have two older brothers, so they worked in finance when I was little and so uh -huh. I always wanted to do what they did so I definitely school was always a priority but sports was sort of my own yeah it was always my own thing so sports was everything for most, you yeah most most kids that play at the level that I played at their parents are forcing them to play and they have trainers and and I was just this weird kid that was on this great team that just got good by playing in the backyard by herself every day so yeah so yeah you're the you're the <laughs> one who like Loved it. I loved it. I, they were like, you're so annoying. I'm coming out to practice. I just loved it. I was like, I'm doing this because I love it. Yeah. So, so working out obviously has always been such a big part of my life and sort of my therapy. And, and yeah, if I'm having a rough day or stress, I go for a run. And so excited to yeah build this company to bring that to other people. Now, I remember when I was in high school, I was on the track team. Yep. And then I got to college and I thought, I'm going to the Olympics. <laughs> uh, and then like the first day of college yep. track practice, I'm like, now I was used like to being tired and being exhausted, but it was at a whole other level. Yes. And I quickly realized in school that I was not there to be an athlete. Yep. I, I quickly realized after one semester, I'm like, okay, uh, that was cool in high school, yep. but now, you know, there, I've got, it's time to study. Yep. So you did play D1 all four years? No, so the last two, I, uh, one and a half years basically I stopped playing. Interesting. So Why? Because I wanted to study business, I wanted to get a job in finance, so I needed to intern during the summer uh -huh. at the banks to do that. And so I started to, my teammates, all, a lot of them went on to the Olympics or to coach, and I started to realize that I wanted to kind of go a different path. and. To do that, I had to miss practice and miss, you know, the summer when we would go back and practice. And so I started to deviate from that path a little bit uh, at I, that point in my junior year. I'm sure it was maybe like difficult for you yep. or because you were really attached to your teammates and yep. they thought you were coming with them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start spending less time around them and they, they, they sort of get it. And yeah, it was uh, it was a. You know, obviously I had my dad always kind of promoting that, but also I started to kind of come to that realization myself. Um, you know, I wanted to take certain classes and they interfered with practice. And so it started becoming, yeah, choices that I had to make. And ultimately, I always wanted to do what my brothers did, my big brothers, Which is work what in finance. Okay. And so to do that, I had to be interning at the banks and doing these things to get that job. So then I really focused on setting my mind to, yeah, achieving that goal at that point. So what I understand, now I've never worked in finance, but what I understand about finance, especially New York City, when you think of New York City, you think of the World Trade Center, you think yep. of Goldman Sachs, you think of finance. What I understand about the world of finance, tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yep. Like as an intern, you're basically like working 18 hours a day and that sort of, that kind of work ethic 
takes place for maybe like two to four years yep. and then you sort of like you know graduate or like you know you're you're Rise done with the ha yeah. with the hazing period exactly. I, I sort of think it's like that because and they see okay th this person wants to have a career and yep. then like you know then you get interns yep exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah some of the jobs i looked at said like willingness to work 18 plus hours a day which, and was it did you do that i mean i worked in the trading side of things so there was a it was different than investment banking so there's more you know market hours but you still then had to go out and meet clients and do stuff so yeah it was a lot i was not sleeping a lot at that point so talk to me about trading um, now, are you literally on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange doing the tickets or? So not many people still are on that floor, but I, the last five years of my career, I worked um, at a broker dealer. So I was the intermediary between the two banks and trading U.S. Treasury bonds. So yeah, I was on a trading floor with the phones and the wires and, you know, buying and selling. And yeah, it was super, super exciting. I never actually thought I was going to leave my job. I loved what I was doing. and. Was doing so well. are we talking treasury inflation protected securities, also so, known as TIPS? Now not, are we not, talking international? Are we uh, talk gover U.S. government bonds. So two-year note, five-year note, ten-year note, long bonds, strips. So give stuff me, like give that. me. Um, okay, so here we are. Uh, we're heading into a recession. That's guaranteed, yep. right? What goes up must come down. We've been up for eight, nine, ten years as far as the market goes. At what I was doing at the last five years, we were sort of the intermediaries. So. We were not taking the positions. We were just really transacting the trades and providing the anonymity. So and also, prob I don't mean to interrupt you, yep. but maybe a layer of risk mitigation because you're like backing it with money as an institution, probably. Yeah, and just also, you know, there obviously a lot of this stuff is being replaced by computers, but um, there's still, you know, obviously there's still a need for people to transact the trade and feel out the market and stuff like that. But but the job that I was doing is certainly dwindling as, uh, yeah, banks are cutting costs and stuff like that. So as we're heading into a recession, yep. are, is, it, is it a good time to buy bonds? And by, by no means <laughs> am I asking for financial yep. advice, I just want your opinion. Um, I have not been watching the market the way that I used to, so I do not feel inclined to be able to, uh, I used to just watch the 10 year note every day and, and now I can tell you about every fitness studio in the country. Okay, so okay. I don't feel inclined to make that uh, statement right now. So <laughs> I, I'll just opine. Yeah, like I always think that when like I'm very excited about the crash. Yeah, super excited for a number of reasons. A number of companies on this show yep. survived the 2008 crash. And I think it was a really formative experience for them just to make it through those tough times. Yep. And these tough times are coming. So how do how do you prepare as a company? But also I'm excited about the crash. Just like it's a buying opportunity in the stock market. Of course. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, yep. a, I'm opining too much. You're a contrarian. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, obviously now that I'm raising funds and have a company, uh, you know, that is, and, and people are investing record dollars in seed stage investments. Indeed. That's, that's and, exciting, yes. but this obviously is approaching and when it will approach is, you know, you don't know. And so there's obviously, you know, that's where I have to decide, do I raise more money now? Do I raise less and hope I can re-raise again? And these are the risks you have to outweigh as a founder now. If I knew when it was going to crash, I would I would be sitting pretty on a beach already so, somewhere. Well, so it's just, yeah, this is the risk. There's another new game of risk, basically, that we're playing. Well, let's let's stay chronological. Yep. Um, so you work in finance. Yep. Your last five years were, were doing the bonds. Yep. And loving it. Did you quit? <laughs> yeah, so I, I loved my job. I never thought I was going to quit. I bought a three-floor loft in Chelsea. I was like, life is amazing. 
And then I started actually taking my clients to work out with me because I was losing my sense of self and I had to be at work so early in the morning that I wasn't having time to work out because I would have to go out at night. So I started to go work out right before I would meet my clients. They started to be like, where are you going? And I was like, I'll meet you guys in an hour. So they started to come work out with me. So that's how I started. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would be like, I need to work out. I'll meet you at, instead of five, I'll meet you at six. And so. Night workout. Yeah, well, because I, I, I had to be at work so early. So, so before right. that was just not really feasible. And so I would go for the hour between, you know, five and I started to mass this crew to come work out with me. And then I would look up different studios, like ones where we could compete or boxing or what have you and, and bring everybody with me. And so we'd then work out. I was basically parlaying what I was missing from my life at that point, which was my sense of self and working out into my customer kind of entertainment. This is, <laughs> I mean, this is blowing my mind. So it was fun, yeah, it was. It was like, it's just, I'm, I'm not getting around, like <laughs> clients, plus working out. Um, well, we would take flywheel often, which is like a spin class where there's a score, like an output score. So obviously it was so fun because it was super competitive. And yeah, a lot of times I would beat them. So that also felt really great. You're doing like dinners that are nor or that are yeah, like norm steakhouse dinners that are normally done at steakhouses, yep. except you're doing them at gyms. Exactly. And then, well, then we'd go to the steakhouse, but I had to fit it in. I was like, getting very little sleep, not working out, and just not feeling like myself. So I had to find a way to parlay it and kind of bring it back into the mix of my life. And that was the only way to do it. That is so cool. So that was really fun, yeah. Uh, and I got a lot of people working out that hadn't been in, so that also felt great. Okay, so you're working out again. Yep. You're starting to, your worlds are coming together. Yep, this is sort of the merge of everything now. And so what I want to know is you have all these clients that are that are business clients yep. um, working out with you. So yep. did you did you like w w tell me what happened? Yeah. So I started to get into the fitness scene. I used to just work out by myself because as an athlete, I was always really disciplined and I never thought like taking a class was for me. I was like, oh, that's not for me. So I started getting really into classes. They were a great experience. And I live next to Peloton. So I saw that, which Many of you probably know they're getting ready to IPO and Woo! doing super well. I did not know that. You just yeah. let me know. So, so now you know. And uh, for what, what, like, what kind of? They basically have bigger. a spin bike, like a spin class that you can buy the bike and then you could take it from Alaska or wherever and be a part of that spin class no, that's live. In, I, yeah, so, in New York. I totally know that. But any idea what the amount uh, they're raising um, for for the uh, IPO? It's, I've seen four billion, eight billion. So I don't know what the what the right number is. Somewhere between there, which is pretty awesome. So I live next to that, and I start taking those classes and seeing what was going on there that realizing that they were streaming their classes and you know this is when they just first started so when, they do you, what year did they first start 2012 i believe interesting because yep. i only start I, I okay i was at a dinner first became aware of it because about only a year year and a half ago yeah two women in my family literally had just come from a class yeah and they were like they were at 110 yeah and high on it and me and my cousin yeah you know we were just like what did they just do? Yep. And they just couldn't stop talking about yep. it. <laughs> no, I'm that's... like, okay, this is a thing. Exactly. No, so, so well, fitness studios in general, like basically the fitness industry revenues are 32 billion and boutique fitness now comprises over 42% of that. So boutique fitness means like small group fitness, a gym that basically focuses on doing one thing well, whether that's yoga or spinning, as opposed to kind of the globo gym, which we're used to, which is sort of Glo just- Globo? Like a globo, like a, yeah, like a big gym change that's just like, 
a lot of weight machines, a room that maybe they teach five different types of classes in. Like a 24-hour Exactly, fitness. exactly. And so boutique just means like they're doing one thing and that's all they focus on. They do a great job and the experience is awesome. Sort of like direct to consumer in the product world. Yep, and just making this like community and, and just, they just do one thing great as opposed to trying to be everything for everyone, which is sort of the more traditional gym route. So what I want to know is, you're with your clients, you're going to these gyms. What was the next step yeah. in that? So I bought an apartment on West 23rd. I live next to Peloton. I start going there. Um, it was obviously before they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars that everybody knows about them. And it was kind of my own private spin studio initially. And so I realized what they were doing. So I started talking to the studios that I was going to frequently and asking them, hey, would you want to live stream your classes? You know, you have a great community. You have locations around the country. Would this be something that interests you? And obviously a couple of years ago, before it is what it is now, they were like, I don't know. I think it will cannibalize our business. They had a lot of reservations. Yes. But some of them didn't and they got it. And they were like, yeah, I'd love to do that. When do we start? And I was like, um, I have a job. I have no idea how to build hardware and software technology. Yes. It's like, it's just pontificating about this idea. I know I, you know, I, I really just was, it just came in my mind. And so then they were like, yeah, when are we going to do this? I'd love to get started. So yeah. So then I'm, that I'm was sort excited. of the, that was sort of the, I'm like, okay, this is, so then I would be at work and kind of just researching things and looking it up and kind of talking to the studios more. And then eventually I would just be at work and they'd be like, you bought 500 million two-year notes and I'd be like, I can't talk, I'm in a meeting. And they're like, for what? I'm like, my company. They're like, what's your company's name? I'm like, I don't know, but something's happening. Like, something is happening. So then I was just like... So that's really interesting, actually, that yeah. you can actually have that conversation at work. Yeah. Right? I was like, I gotta go. I think I gotta go. So, so you <laughs> definitely built a rapport. Yep, and I was just like, I, I, I know this is gonna happen. And if I don't build this, I'm going to tell a really depressing story, how it was my invention, but nobody knows me as the inventor and how, you know, I didn't do this. And so, yeah, I was just like, I got to I got to move on. And so ultimately, that was it. I decided if I was going to raise money and build this company, I had to do this full time or nobody obviously was going to invest in me. And and I knew this was happening. So I was like, this is it. So then I started to tell my friends and stuff. They're like, yeah, I'm going to leave my job. And everyone's like, what? You're killing it. What are you doing? I'm like. They, like it's like I told them I was gonna start trying drugs. I'm like, this is like the hardest, most commendable thing that anybody can can try to do. So everyone's reaction was like, this is crazy. But my father, who is an entrepreneur, was like, you know, he was proud. He was like, you, you should do this. So that was awesome to have his support. Right. To support like, in this. He was never maybe on board with the sports. Yeah, and he was like, I never thought my daughter would be the you know sort of one top athlete in the family and two the you know risk taking entrepreneur that that I was now becoming, so. But here you are combining sort of technology and business and, and sports. Exactly, so kind of, I mean, this is what I live and breathe. So yeah, this is this is what I do. I'm a user of this space, so I feel like that's my you know secret weapon as, as well. So then I just, yeah, I left my job ultimately. My old bosses in, ended up investing, which, which felt great and was kind of the start and impetus to, to building the company. And obviously I self-invested as well because I had never raised money and and that was kind of the beginning then. Let's unpack this. Yep. So you're talking to studios and they're like, they're coming after you, which is like a big, sig yeah. it's a big signal. Yeah, they're like, we'd love to do this. Because typically people try to sell too hard. They yep. try to sell the unsellable. Here you are, like not even trying to sell hard and people yep. are like bothering you there's demand yep yeah it was still early so they everyone was 
still scared of the concept, but they kind of knew it was coming. And the people that were, that, you know, have the attitude of we should be ahead of this before it takes us down, we're ready to get going. So I want to know the nuts and bolts. So did you write the code? Um, or was, was there any code involved? Like how did, you yeah. know, what, what, was the, what was the first step that you really took to manifesting Forte? Yeah, so we're a pretty heavy tech company. We basically uh, develop hardware and software that we install in the studios to enable them to live broadcast. So, yeah, I decided to build a deep tech company with no technical experience other than being very good on the computer amongst my peers in their 50s on the trading floor. That was, that was where I thought I excelled at tech. So um, did you find somebody? So then obviously, yeah, I set out to find great engineers to help me develop this and basically you know, explained what I was imagining and, and took two years to develop the technology. Did you, did you have a partner? Um, I'm the sole founder, but I had brought on, yeah, engineers, you know, as obviously early stage employees of the company. So we started trying to just build this technology and put them, eventually we put it into the studio and we started operating it remotely, testing it and testing it. So basically, if you want a live broadcast, you can build what Peloton has or what NBC has, which is a TV production studio, right? Okay. That costs millions of dollars. That that works, right? It's a very controlled environment. Yeah, but it's very expensive. It's like, very, that's exactly like, that brings me to my next. Do point. you think my podcast is going to turn into NBC? Exactly. Like so, here, so, here I am with a phone. Exactly. <laughs> so so that was one option, right? And that's what everyone continues to do. Or you can use Facebook Live, which is the other end of the spectrum. So to be able to live stream, you could use like Vimeo or YouTube or Livestream or UStream to host this stream, but you still have to figure out how to shoot it. So that was a problem that we were trying to solve. So basically, what we developed, we installed three to five cameras into the space, hardwire them into the walls. We put a server there on site. So, so let's talk about your yep. first space. Yeah. Do you, do you mind telling me yeah, the... Yeah, the first space is uh, near Union Square. It's called Body Space Fitness, and Kelvin's been instrumental in helping us build this entire company because we built it you know, within my apartment and operated it, and it worked great. And then when we deployed it, nothing worked as we had Imagine, because now we were out of our controlled environment. So, were you doing workouts in your apartment? <laughs> we we were not not doing workouts in the apartment. Just uh, <laughs> streaming, me typing on the computer, trying sure, to make it work. Sure, just testing. Yep. So yeah. So once we started to deploy it, there was just all these other variables. And so once when you're live streaming in in a studio, right? There's no windows. There's no lighting that affects it. They obviously want it to be very bright because that's how you know they put those big lights on. And here we're streaming in a dark studio. Uh, and it's not like it's a newscaster that's sitting very still. There's 50 people maybe jumping a rope or running. So the frames per second are so fast. So there's just all these variables that make doing this super, super complicated. So you try your first stream. Kind of works, kind of clunky. Kind of worked. Kind of clunky. And so, now what year are we talking about? Uh, 2015. Okay, so about three to four years ago. Yep. And so uh, we kind of have a system that works, but it's not great. My childhood best friend, I, I talked to him, and he's always like been great at tinkering around with hardware and stuff. So he came in and kind of iterated the hardware. Now, I want to know about the hardware, because like yeah. this, I'm a big media guy. Yep. I'm a big tech guy. Yep. So like, let's go so, deep in the hardware. Yeah, so we use kind of off-the-shelf pieces um, in a way that they're not necessarily totally intended to be used. We use what, what? IP-based cameras um, that... Go ahead. I mean, I can't talk too much about the hardware, but... What I can tell you okay. is, is this stuff, but basically then we use IP-based cameras. Uh, the company was acquired by Canon, so just the lens technology is getting better. And then we basically are putting a server there on site. So that server is the producer of the stream. So when the instructor plugs in their phone and puts their Spotify playlist on, puts their mic on at 12 o'clock to say to begin teaching, the automation turns on all five cameras in the room, 
rotates around for that specific class at that time and then will shut itself off at the end of class. Super cool. So this automation, this Autobot, runs from coast to coast, live producing classes all day, every day with no human operators. So, I love it. Yeah. Question. Yep. So you are, you know, right here in Union Square. Yep. You have technical issues. You get your friend who's great at tech to start yep. debugging and tinkering. Yep. Um, but how did you, did, no, was it your network of, of, of friends and colleagues who had signed up as, as clients at first? Were you, were you doing free at first? Yeah, so just, we had like open to beta. We had 500 free friends and family users testing the product. But the first hurdle really was two years of getting, of getting the streaming to work, right? So here you are. Yep. Two years, you got, so here you are two years in, no salary. Yeah, no salary. Um, investing, investing, investing. Right. So not only are you not coasting, you're 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 losing money. I'm going all in. So emotionally, are you like feeling some pressure? Are you feeling like, oh, maybe I need to go get a job? Yeah. So I bought a three-floor loft, expecting right. and to got, keep making all this money. And you have a massive yeah, big, big mortgage investment. Yeah, I because I you know had invested in the market and I thought I would try to make a different investment. So I definitely did not set myself up to prepare for this stage in my life that just became. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of stressful. The good news was I was spending a lot of time in my new apartment, which I had rarely done before. So yeah, the pressure cooker was certainly on high, but I was so excited about everything that was going on. And fortunately, I had done well and saved some money to be able to take this risk and that sort of... Now, had you had investors by the point that you were beta testing here in Union Square. Yeah, so I initially self-funded, and then, like I said, some of my bosses from Wall Street invested. Now, I want to know, how far into your journey did you get them on board? Um, pretty shortly thereafter, but it wasn't to, you know, certainly pay me. It was to develop, to build the hardware, to get the engineers. Of course. Yeah, stuff like that. So it was one that we had a chicken and the egg. We really had to build the technology to see if the studios would use it, as opposed to kind of, you know, we couldn't really market test it and get this answer without actually building the product. Yeah, we had to kind of set out for two years and really develop this technology. So there was no cheap way to do it. Nope. You had a vision. Yep. You you realize the vision, then you realize how just how difficult your vision is to execute. Yeah, I think my uh, being so naive was helpful. You know, I would tell the engineers, it has to look exactly like this and explain exactly what I wanted, and they would be like, that's not possible. I'm like, no, no, it is possible. I don't know how, but I know that it is somehow. So and did, 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 did they meet you with resistance? Always like who, with resistance. No, did you get them to, uh, to bend you know, to, to your will, or did you accept that there are certain realities? No, I like, didn't accept that. So, so you're a real, like, <laughs> I'm getting a real Steve Jobs vibe, and, yeah. I, and I think it's fine. Yep. I think it's great. Like, initially, you know, the, the camera, because we shoot such wide spaces, they were rounded on the sides, like a GoPro. And so I was watching and I'm like, we don't watch the TV with rounded edges. We can't have content that has rounded edges. They were like, well, you don't understand how a lens works and how the, the you know, mechanics of this are. I'm like, yeah, all I know is I go, to, I go and watch movies and big, on big screens and they're not showing me rounded. I'm like, all I know is this isn't right. Like, it right. can't and, look and like the, this. And the, and the technical term, yeah. I will tell you right yeah. now, here I am, a guy yep. just on the street. The technical um, process is, is anamorphic okay. to a flat transform, okay. which you shoot on an anamorphic lens, and I'm getting real dorky okay. here. Just let me know. Just, Go for it. But um, that gives you that extra wide. Yep. But when you look at the raw anamorphic file, 
you're actually, it looks fisheye. Yeah. And you so, to, but then there's an algorithm Then there's to ways like to fix it. Transform but, it. But they were telling me that that was how it worked. And I was like, absolutely not. So, so well, things, they, they, they could do it. It's just expensive. Well, yeah, that was the other, that was the other, uh, you know, obviously it's easy to do everything and make it super expensive, but we are honestly trying to make something affordable. So it was all this ongoing kind of back and forth. So ultimately my childhood next door neighbor and really good friend, Greg comes over to help us and he has a high tech alarm company. So he's like, yeah, I'm kind of sick of building alarms. What's going on so here? So he knows cameras. So he, he knows he has, uh, you know, relationships with the manufacturers and goes to camera conventions. And, and so now he sits down and does his amazing tinkering and kind of it iterates us into a whole new place that becomes, you know, the catalyst for where we really realize we can start to scale this. Now what, um, so let's talk about that. Yep. So you, 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 you at your first studio, you're working out kinks. Yep. What do you think was the big breakthrough? Like him helping yeah, you? Yeah, him really coming over and, and really sort of changing the way that it was being done. It wasn't going to be scalable the way that we were initially doing it. What what in what way did you? We changed realize? the we actually changed the hardware components. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So then he says to me, got a little music. So then he says to me, you know, did you have insurance? I'm like, insurance for what? And so the first installation was me, hysterical laughing, trying to nail something into the wall, not very great with tools, laughing, looking at the guys like, help me. And so he's like, did you have insurance? I'm like, for what? He's like, you can't just get on a ladder in somebody's business without insurance. I'm like, see, I didn't even know I had this problem. So I wasn't even worried about it. Uh -huh. So then he kind of came in and solved like, a hundred problems ahead that I hadn't even realized that I was going to face. Yeah. So, because, you know, he obviously installations and scaling and, you know, doing the carpentry work to, you know, snake the stuff in the walls. And were you only testing at that one studio for quite a while? For quite a while. Yeah. Yep. So you're working out all the kinks. Yep. There's the poop. Yep. It was dry. It was, you saw it. Yep. It was old. This is good. Um, happens every episode. Sorry. <laughs> so you're working out kinks. You're building confidence, yep. you're building a team. So I want to know about, you know, when you started going from one studio to, to multiple studios. Yeah, so we started getting it to work and, and we knew that we can now, what happens is like each, each studio has different variables, right? Sometimes we had to basically combat, like the trainer gets excited, they blare the music, then they blow out your you know, ears if you have headphones in. So we really had to watch them in their habitats and start to realize what they're doing or they get, they want to make it zen and so they turn the lights off. So we had to kind of automate and build this so that way they couldn't mess up the stream, but they could still act like they wanted to, you know, in a regular class. So now we kind of ace this one gym and now we need yes. to try a totally different gym, a yoga gym, a dance studio, like all these different types of classes where all these new variables were going to be kind of coming at us. So yeah, so we started uh, installing it into other studios. At this point, it still wasn't totally scalable. It was still sort of a manual process. And then eventually we built this automation. So now, you know, we can build, ship hardware, have it installed remotely with the AV guy and us kind of on the phone and live produced in a thousand places simultaneously. So you go to your, your next studio. Yep. And what I want to know is, was there a time when then just like the customers, you really felt like, was it a free model at first or were you yep. charging from day one? Yeah, no, so it was beta at first for a while. Yes. Um, just so, because we had to, yeah, we, had, we couldn't charge a premium right without knowing for sure that this was going to work. So, so. When, I want to know, yep. when did you turn on the pay switch? Uh, Mid-2017. Here's my guess okay. and you can let me know. I bet you the moment you turned it on, yep. you probably 10x'd the amount of people that were on the platform. Yeah, it was really definitely And you were super thinking you were exciting. gonna lose customers. We just didn't know what was gonna, we, well, first of all, we, we 
you know, really rushed to hit this deadline to launch and, you know, we're just nervous that it wasn't even going to work at all. It was, you know, you, you just never know. And so, or when all these people, obviously we load test things, but until it's really being used, right, you just never know. So that was obviously super exciting and we did all this kind of a little press tour to get it going and yeah, it was super exciting. We were on a morning show and the newscaster actually worked out at the place that we were streaming from. So it was super fun because she was just like raving about the place. Yeah. So that was, yeah, it felt awesome. So yeah, so out of the gate, people got the idea. Peloton at this point started to pick up steam. So they, they did, yeah. People they are willing to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're already, I mean, the boutique industry is, is crushing it. There's massive amounts of private equity money going into it. More people are aware they need to be working out than ever. Um, so yeah, it's a super exciting. And the goal really is to bring these top studios to people all over the world and country. And not, not everyone has, you know, lives here with 20 gyms right around them. They're, they don't have access to a gas station for 20 miles. And also, I'm thinking about the case where there's a studio I love, let's say it's your original yep. right here and you need, and there's a class I love, but I'm in, in France or I'm yeah, in Australia. Traveling. I still want to do my class with, with my person. Exactly. And exactly. now you can do it. Totally. And I think the main thing that's really cool about this is like, you can watch this every day and then go to New York City and take that actual class. It'd be like watching a movie and then being in your favorite movie, right? So that's really groundbreaking and helps to build a community. You know, the fact that you can meet this trainer, that they're real, that the people you see in the class are real. And yeah, it's super exciting for people that are, you know, on this kind of fitness journey. And there's also 260 million people in the US, which is more than the amount of people that work out, that don't work out. So streaming at home, you know, getting used to classes is the great entry point for these people as well. Turn on the switch, yep. and all of a sudden, you start making money. Yeah. So no longer, is this taking money out of you and your investors' pockets? Well, it's still, it it's, still is taking money, right? Because we have a lot of tech still to develop. But, but, but yeah, I remember checking the bank account and it, and it, you know, not just wiping down really quickly or looking and being like, oh my God, where is this? You know, where are these wires coming from? So that was obviously, yeah, super exciting. And I think the most fulfilling part was the stuff the users were writing in, right? We were working tirelessly all night, barely sleeping and people are writing in like, this is the best thing that ever happened. This changed my life. And nobody said that I made their life better when I worked on Wall Street. So that was giving me a whole new purpose for working this hard. So that was probably the most fulfilling part and still is to this day, just getting emails from users about, yeah, how, how great this is for their life and how they're losing weight and their cholesterols are better and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited. You, you, you start making money. Yep. Um, and like, let's talk about. You we know, start scaling into other cities now, okay. pretty quickly. Yeah. Now, are you going to these other cities? Yeah. So we we stream from Salt Lake City, Miami, Boston. But are you like literally flying to Salt Lake? So we didn't go to Salt Lake. We actually did the installation remotely. That was part of our um, sort of aggressive scaling test, right? To see that we can do that remotely. And, but, and you proved that it worked. And we proved that it worked. So that was that was our first test there. We were going to these other places initially. Um, so yeah, that way we can scaling around the country and obviously, you know, that's once you're deploying hardware all over, that becomes a scary feat, right? You don't know if it's going to work or, you know, you can't get there and we're not close to that. So once we left the Tri-State area, that was really a big, yeah, a big point for us to prove out that we can then take in big money and start scaling this product. So you, all, you get proof that you can scale it yep. uh, remotely. Now, yep. what was the first? First, did you have you gone international? We that will be the next thing that we. So do. you're you're still for your country. You're still just uh, local well, domestic. Yeah, I mean we weren't obviously operating for all those years, right? We were building the tech, so 
yeah, we're raising around now to kind of go internationally. We distribute our content into 40 countries. So we're international in that regard. We don't, our content producers are all in the US, but our distribution goes into 40 countries. Oh my, I have questions about distribution. <laughs> yeah. I love distribution. Yep. Um, let's go through the, uh, the, the, okay. the farmers. Market. Okay. We'll see all these businesses here. All right. So yeah, so we started streaming it and realizing we have some monthly and annual subscribers and realizing you know, I go to the gym and I'm running on the treadmill watching this running class, but there's 30 TVs up there. So I'm like, why can't I have this on these TVs? Or better yet, even on this treadmill, right? Why can't I just watch TV or watch the dot light up around the track kind of thing? So, uh, yeah, so we set out and we did this deal where we distribute into 4,000 gyms in 40 countries. So some include 24-hour fitness, Anytime Fitness Gold's gym in the U.S., where basically the gym is paying uh, to have a subscription and they have all these different content providers to yeah, enable their people to take the classes on the off hours, right? So then we got into this sort of distribution model where we distribute into residential uh, gym buildings, hotel gym buildings, where for them it doesn't pay to have classes offered the economics because people are all on different schedules. So anywhere where the equipment is, and now we're working to do deals with equipment manufacturers to distribute running, spinning classes directly into the relevant basic question. Yep. I'm at home. Yep. How do I interact? with Forte, and yeah. just for the educational purposes. Yeah, so all our classes are streamed live and then available on demand seconds later. So if you reserve a spot for a live class, the instructor knows you're taking it. So, it'll so be if it's, it's here's the, the real question. Yep. If it's nothing that involves complicated equipment, like yep. a bike, yep. like, you know, yeah, you just, just search what you have. So, and I can just do it in my living room. You can do it. Do, now, yeah. do they see me? They don't see you. So we just integrated all water. So we She's just, hustling. Exactly. We're hustling. Exactly. Different <laughs> business model. It, so, indeed. So basically, we just integrated all wearables, so Fitbit, Garmin, Apple Watch. So we'll have live leaderboards so you can compete in real time. That'll be sort of the first or the next layer of interactivity. And ultimately, anywhere that gaming goes, you know, is where we imagine this going, right? We want the remote people to feel as most connected to the room as possible. Now, uh, are there any prizes for winning the competition? No, I mean, well, we do like giveaways and stuff like that, but no, but that's a great idea. Ultimately, yeah, we want to encourage, it's like we, we want to encourage, suck you in more like YouTube does, except in this case, you're working out. So hopefully uh, it's with a better emphasis behind it. And oh. I think the, the most amazing thing and most for amazing. anyone that's looking to become an entrepreneur, like I love my job. You do distribution yep. through channels, but. And we also have monthly, we have three revenue streams, so monthly and annual subscribers. Uh, we distribute into traditional gyms and then also uh, residential building gyms and hotel gyms where they're basically paying a commercial license. And so those are our main yeah, revenue drivers. We also have done a deal with an amazing company called PeerFit where um, basically if you, have, if you have Aetna or Cigna health insurance, you can pay for it with pre-tax dollars. So that's been yeah amazing for us and rolling it out to people so that way is, it makes it more affordable and either the employer or the health insurer is matching, matching your dollars there. It seems to me, Lauren, yes? like you have a serious business. It's becoming um, that. <laughs> businesses don't have to be profitable. It's okay if a business isn't profitable yep. for 10 years. That's completely normal. Yes. Um, if you're bringing in revenue, uh, a lot of revenue, yep. that's a model right there. That we do want to be profitable, though. I think that's kind of the whole thing. And you're only four years into it. Yeah, I think also we're paying out our studio partners, so we want to make money for them because we're B2B to C ultimately. 
okay, so th that's very important. You're yep. not just like yeah, yeah. If we want if you didn't pay them, you you you'd go out of business yeah, very quickly. So and we wanted yeah. So I think that's the whole point is right. Everybody now wants to do what Peloton does. They want to be streaming, and so they're not going to build and raise a billion dollars to do it. And so how do we give them the ability to do it? And that's really what we've set out to do. And we built this marketplace, but we've had over a thousand studios of inbound inquiry that want to stream. And initially we thought we would stream every studio, but then we realized if there was a thousand yoga classes, you wouldn't know which one to watch. So for our sort of Netflix hub of the best classes, we believe that's like 50 or so in the country moving around any time. But we're now starting to do a white label approach. So one, a lot of the big gyms, they want to do it on their own. So we're going to power that. And, and talk about, talk about the big gyms, like give me, like uh, give. Like a gold gym. They all want to be live streaming now, which is awesome. But so, do it on your own. Like, what does that mean? Like, so, so they they want to live stream their classes, but they don't want to be a part of a marketplace or a platform where other gyms are streaming. Right, because they want exclusive content. They want their own so that, content. Yeah, and they so want that you come to them, so that I come to Gold's Gym for both the in-person classes, but also the the digital classes. Exactly, and so they can either you know offer their spin classes in the off hours in the you know and just have it streaming or get or use it to acquire new members to get them to come in and try the gym. And so, yeah, so we were doing the white label because we were really trying to stay focused, but the demand is so obvious and, and it's the same business model for us. We do the exact same process, except in this model, we don't pay to acquire the customer. So now as of September, we're gonna start sort of doing a dual track, but ultimately it doesn't disrupt what we're currently doing. We're doing the exact same thing and yeah, enabling those, basically white labeling it for those people. So are you raising more money right now? We're ra always raising money. Um, What's your, do you have a, do you have a, have you done a series A already? No, so we're raising our seed round of funding. Oh, so you're pre-seed. Yeah, so we've raised uh, 1.8 to date, so. Yeah, that's, I, that's yeah. why I think we're in a bubble. Yeah. I really, I strongly believe, and yeah. I don't mean to get on a tangent, no, but it's sort, of, it sort of continues the conversation we started at the beginning yep. of the podcast, yep. which is that, and I, and I know economists will argue with me, okay. and they'll get, but the price of a pre-seed round in 2019, yes, 1.8 in your case, and there's various numbers, yep, um, is approaching the price of a Series A, a round of an old in Series A in exactly. 2012, exactly. So I'm the metrics for Series A now are so high. So yeah, they're just different. I mean, Series A 20 million, Series A like. No, yeah. for me, twenty million dollars is a Series C. Yeah, you know, no, that's yeah, that's a Series C, that's one hundred and eighty-five million now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a bubble. Yeah, you so heard it right here. It's a bubble. I hope it doesn't pop until I I'm soaring it, I, in the sky. <laughs> I hope it pops because I've got a lot of buying to do. Just All right, saying. don't listen to this guy. Not yet, not yet. So yeah, so we've raised one point eight, <laughs> um, and we're now raising our Series seed. So yeah, super excited for that. We have. Uh, Harvard Business School Angels and Chicago Booth Angels and Westchester Angels uh, and a bunch of our current investors committed so far and yeah we're looking to fill the balance of the round so if you are an investor please do uh, reach out to me. Absolutely. Um, Fundraising I, I, is a little soul-sucking it does take away a lot of time from the business so yeah but it's a big part of well, being oh, a founder. Right so the best example that comes to mind is another female founder. Yep. Um, and she went, at, but her story is very similar to, to lots of founders on their show. She went through 200 investors until she found, I don't even think she got a yes. And then she found her lead investor and got her first yes yep. at the same time. And she's raised like five, six million, like, you know. 
that you need to be good at taking the no. I guess that's where I feel like sports definitely, yeah, help me. You know, you lose and you got to pick yourself back up again and get out there. So I feel like that does teach you a good lesson for this because obviously this is so many highs and lows. Some days are, I can't even believe where I'm going or who I'm meeting and other days are nothing's going right, right, for a week. And you're just looking for that little glimmer of light to keep going. And so, yeah, it's obviously, it's a grind. And, and this space is typically a space that investors avoided. They thought of well, it like sort of the dating market. Like it's just, it's trendy, it moves quickly. It's a fad. They okay. just, they never really believed in this space. So here's what I want to know because. But now that's changed. It's So it's char starting to change so you don't have to sell as hard. Yeah, so so thanks to the two kind of unicorns, Class Mi Pass and Peloton. Oh, I was going to say Mirror. Yeah, that's, I, that's not a unicorn yet, no, but they're not? raising a lot of money. No, no, they're just, they don't, they're, they've raised a lot of money, but I don't know that. They don't have, like, yeah, so investors now really are excited about the space. They believe it's, you know, there's a lot of PE firms going and backing and expanding these gyms. There's a lot more money that was ever, you know, going in this before. Basically, the gym industry is $32 billion, and the streaming industry, the global streaming industry, is expected to be uh, $27 billion by 2022. So the velocity of this market is so fast, obviously, because you can reach, you know, many people really quickly. Okay, so let me be like um, a rhinoceros. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't know exactly what rhinos do. I didn't, so wa I didn't want to use another prehistoric animal. Okay. And we can leave it at that. I, I do want to be a rhinoceros yep. here. So what's to keep you, f or what's to keep anybody from copying you? Yep. What's to keep, and you know, and I think it's inevitable. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, so we don't, we, we, we're not just a, a company making fitness content. We've developed this technology. So that's so you, you two have years. IP, you have so we have IP, yeah, to basically, if anybody with the smartest team of engineers started to develop this, they wouldn't be able to figure out what we have because it was watching a function watching thousands of classes in all these different environments to be able to set this automation to make it work perfectly in this scenario. So, so we have this time we have this time lag on on yeah anybody coming into the market. I think it's more than that. I think you have the sweet combination of IP yep. one, customers two, creative content three, yep. expertise four. So yeah, now we got to move and now we got to move, right? So because everybody now, like any fitness conference is all they're talking about. So like I said, Peloton's done a great service for us. They've done a great job in marketing and helping the consumer understand, right. oh, I can take this class in New York City and live in Kansas or wherever. So, so it's actually, it's done a great service. They've really built up the space. They've built up investors' confidence in it. And so, yeah, it's a super exciting time from, from that regard. This was supposed to be the tallest building in New York City. That's why the entrance is so grand, but they stopped. Ah. Oh, really? They, that's why it looks like a half, that's why it looks like a half a building. Can you see it? Yeah, the entrance is super grandiose and never Always ended up. Wondered that. Yeah, continuing to the project was stopped. I love it. And then Robert De Niro shot a movie right here. There we go. Probably all over this whole city. So, would you say your primary challenge is raising money? Um, I wouldn't say it was our primary challenge. There's just a lot of challenges. Um, but yeah, obviously that was initially. I think the market is obviously. Uh, oh, that feels seed, good. Yeah, seed investments are really soaring right now. The space is really soaring. Um, so really excited to kind of go out there and raise our first serious round of funding. Um, we were raising money, but little by little, which was enabling us to really build a team and make a 12 to 18 month plan, you know, with a bunch of rock stars to really, you know, hire all these people and, and kind of make a plan. So we, we were just taking it in little by little. No, so I decided we have to stop. We have to just raise a serious amount all at once to be able to really make forward momentum. Right, so you can really just hit 
Hit it hard. Hit it hard, yeah. Um, and really hit some goals, make some goals hit them, as opposed to sort of continuing to chug and you know burn the midnight oil and try to be as lean as possible. Like two steps forward, one step back. Yeah, it or only gets you so one far. Step, one step forward, two steps back. And like we've spent zero to acquire our customers at this point. Um, and so yeah, we need to be able to scale quickly. We've proven out that the demand is there, that the product works, that it's scalable. So what, yeah, we're in an exciting inflection point. Quick, two questions, quick one. Talk about your team, five people, you yeah, know, so who's three full-time, um, seven others that are part-time that will hopefully be full-time very soon when we close this round. Sure. So yeah, you know, you can only pay people with enthusiasms and hugs for so long, um, and good people cost money. So yeah, it's important to to raise money and, and kind of do it the right way at this point. So right. And one of the uh, guys on this on this show, he went global. He actually invented Uber before Uber, literally. Really? Literally. Wow. And, and it's all on the podcast. It's the episode with Lou. Uh, Did he sell his company to Uber? No, because he just got outcompeted. His primary mistake is that he went to Paris and globally first. Yep. Whereas all the investors here, and these are the same investors that were investing in Uber, were talking to Uber and they're like, Lou, you need to go strong local. Yep. You need to get stronger local before you go global. If you yep. go global, you're going to kill your company. Yep. He did. He went global, didn't listen. It's good advice. Boom, it's over. Yep. Um, anyway, that was a tangent. Part of the reason why we are hesitant to go Pardon global me. quickly is obviously the language barrier that it poses. So that's part of our, you know. Netflix is a really good potential, you know. Acquire, Amazon, I'll take, I'll take any of those guys. <laughs> so that answers the question, are you open acquisition? Yes. Yes, by the right person for sure. What's um, Planet Oat Milk? I've never heard of it. You want to go and see? It's a healthy little planet. You want to see what's in there? Yeah, it's a little bubble. Oh, they're bubble. not going to let us in with, with no. this. Let's just go on the outside and show what everyone. What is this? I'm, it's Planet Cookies Oat. and banana bread in a, in a bubble. Here, let's just show everyone. Look at that. It's Planet Oat Milk. There we go. It's competing with Shake Shack right across the street. No, I think Oat Milk and Shake Shack were totally yeah. fine. They, Kind of go together. It's not oat burgers. No. Kind of go together. <laughs> That's the two facets of uh, the country right there. What, right? what is your vision, your big vision for this company, for Forte? Like, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah, so really our goal is to find the best studios around the world. Obviously the trends change quickly. So the beauty part of our product is we don't have to invent the next great idea. We don't have to own real estate or manage talent. If we see something amazing in Denver, we build and ship them hardware and get them streaming. So, so really, you actually are paying, you actually are paying, like you identify something and then you go and invest. The studios actually pay us okay, to be so a part so of it. Yeah, that's incredible. Be, yeah, so, but you have to select them to be. Well, they reach out to they reach out to us and we select them. So we have, yeah, we get a lot of outreach because we're the only guy kind of that does what they do. And then we also sort of eye people. So. As the trends change, really getting the best places and ultimately helping them make money beyond the 30 bodies that can physically attend their class. That's really, you know, for them, their brick and mortar presence can only expand so quickly, right? And here, they can they can make an unlimited amount of money in a class. Right. I, I mean, I think retail is dying. I would say the same thing. And here we have a way to save your brick and mortar business. Yep. And you also, know? the brick and mortar is important in that there's a real place in the community so people that become you know asphyxiated on one brand can go there and be a part of it but you know as opposed to sort of a traditional workout video where you couldn't find Jane Fonda right you don't know where she is if you watch this content you go to Boston and you know exactly where my stride is and you could take that class in person so there is an importance to the brick and mortar at the same time they can scale much quickly and this revenue should outpace the in-studio revenue very quickly so economically I think it makes a lot of sense but I'm just excited about it because 
you have all these cool classes that yeah. are now accessible by the world. Exactly, and, and not everyone likes to run or you know, they, they don't find that fun, but there's so many classes now, there's something for everybody. You definitely can find you know, something that you wanna do. We stream a class from Miami, and it's so Miami. Like if you watch it, it's so like, is it like Zumba. Yeah, it's like Zumba. Can, just, can we say that word? It's like yeah, it's like Zumba kind of salsa. It's just couldn't be more Miami. So yeah, I think that's really fun too. Just seeing the different uh, communities as well. Like we stream yoga from Salt Lake City. You can see out the mountains. Like yeah, it's just fun to see a different right. city, a different Mount, place. Mountain. So yeah, if you. So here's what I can as a as a client, as a customer of Forte. Can I just do like Miami one day, yeah, Salt, Lake, you want, Salt yeah. Lake the next day, San Diego the next day, yep. Hawaii the next exactly, day? Exactly, wherever you want. And the, and the reality is- I love it. Most people are intimidated by working out in general, right? More people don't work out than do. So this is a great way to you know get used to these classes, try them, sort of build your confidence, see what you like. And yeah, and then just most people don't, you know, the biggest gym in the country is Planet Fitness. They don't offer any classes. So, you know, there's a big subset of people that use this product still at the traditional gym as well. Um, that is is retail yep. and that that real estate cost that overhead to to run this gym in this location where we're across the street from i'm looking for a major brand i mean amc movies over abc kitchen abc home but e abc look at that right there abc right where i'm pointing my thumb right there but just closed half of their location yep and that's pretty the funny that's mm -hmm. the real right that's the real price. Now they, they cut their uh, footprint in half. That's the real cost of, of retail. That's Fortunately a Fortunately for Equinox, they are a real estate developer. So they're in a slightly different position than you know a traditional studio trying to expand to 50 brick and mortar locations, right? They, they own the real estate. So, yes, which so, is very intelligent. Which is very. So Lauren, we're at our final question. Yep. And this is to me the most important question. Okay. Here, watch out for that coffee stain. Um, most important question I ask it to everybody who comes onto my show. Okay. And it sort of gives me a barometer. How do you feel, Lauren, you have grown and in what ways? As a person? As an entrepreneur in this process. Yeah, I think I I always say I learned so much more than I I thought I was, you know, knew so much in my old job. I was doing kind of one finite thing. Here I I'm a jack of all trades. I've learned about music rights and all these random things that I, you know, knew nothing about. I think really tests your uh, strength at times, right? This is can be a very solo mission at, at at times, and you know, you have to give up everything. I don't see my friends and family that often, and and that's what you have to do to to win at this. And so, uh, definitely had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but I'm in it and I'm excited and I'm certainly not going to give up until, until I win the game. There we go. <laughs> this is going to be Lauren's Olympics. Yep. <laughs> Forte.fit. Is that the website? Forte. Uh, yes, Forte.fit. So there's a fit domain name. Exactly. Forte.com is owned by Oracle. So if by some grace of God they'd like to give it to us, we would highly appreciate it. So Larry, <laughs> I'm speaking right now to... You don't even use that domain. Larry Ellison, CEO. Is it... Larry Ellis, yeah, it's Larry Ellis. Yeah. Yep. See, on on his Hawaiian private island with this sailing team. By the way, yeah, uh, do you have any sailing content? We, are, there, are there any sailing workouts? We don't have any sailing workouts, but uh, yeah, if you know a good place that we should be streaming from, we'd love to have. It. We have rowing on a oh, rower, rows, on a concept yeah. two rower, but not the same as as sailing. A beautiful boat, but rowing is cool. Yeah, I could totally, I could totally go for a rowing class. Yep. 
Um, so we go to forte.fit, which I think is better than the .com. Yeah, I like it. Makes sense with the uh, with the name. Just so, in case anybody's ever ready to work out. Now, really? So you just like drop in on classes? Yeah, I look at my suits and my cufflinks with my name on them, and I just like look at it like it's a Halloween costume. I'm like, when am I ever gonna wear this again? <laughs> what am I gonna do with this stuff? So you're you're. So I have like Lululemon. Yeah, I, just I mean wear work. Yeah. Athleisure, that's what it's all about now for me. You know that it's a, that it's a, it's a struggle, that, that a lot of strength is required. Yeah, that's for sure. And emotional fortitude. Yep. Never give up. It's, uh, it's a journey. It's a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Totally. I always read the, um, you know, books from, you know, about Steve Jobs or the founder of Tesla and all these people. And yeah, the stories are all the same, right? They. Yeah. Worked in garages, worked really hard. It took years. Uh, they mortgaged their homes. They, you know, it's not it's not just like this smooth sailing thing. So obviously, and then obviously the users writing in and all that stuff is so motivating. You know, when you're making people's lives better, it's like what more motivation do you need than that? So nothing. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. She's the real <laughs> deal, right here. Um, it's got my seal of approval. Get working out. Take care of yourself. It's important. And thank you so much for coming on. Go to forte.fit. We'll see you there. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you on, for Lauren. having me. I really appreciate it.